Hello, welcome back to episode four of Shattered Gradients. So today we're going to be interviewing Max von Wolf, who is a student from Mayan, Germany. And um, I originally met him at the European Union Contest for Young Scientists um, in Dublin, Ireland back in 2018. And most recently, both Anish and I um, got the chance to talk to him at Intel ISEF. So um, he has a very interesting project um, on using a network of sensors out in the field to predict and forecast the movement of storms. And for this project, he actually ended up um, coming with uh, getting the best of category award in the category of embedded systems at Intel ISAF, which was pretty incredible. So um, Max, why don't you, uh, why don't you give us a bit of maybe a five minute introduction to what your project is? Yeah, of course. So first of all, uh, hi Anish, hi Brandon, um, thanks for having me. Uh, it, it really is an honor uh, to speak at your podcast. Yeah, so so basically what I've done is um, I've, I've thought about storm forecasting in a way it's traditionally done. And I found out that uh, traditional, um, um, traditional storm forecasting isn't always that accurate just to, due to the lack of accuracy when it comes to satellites or official weather stations. Basically what I've come up with, um, like uh, speaking in a simplistic manner, is sensor node you can deploy in a mesh network, um, like say around an open air festival, for example. And if a severe storm is approaching, it's able to classify this storm in advance to actually hitting this open air festival. And also, uh, what's even cooler about this technique is that it is also able to um, outperform uh, um, traditional storm forecasting methods by a factor of three when it comes to satellites, weather satellites, and, and by a factor of 25 when it comes to official weather stations. So it, it really is quite an, an, an advancement in storm forecasting. And I mean, we are all, um, yeah, only talking about a really, really fine scale or, or short-term scale right here. My project really doesn't perform that well in the long run or, or also in the mid, mid-term run. Um, it's incredibly bad. But when it comes to short-term forecasting, it is able to say like a few minutes uh, to maybe half an hour before um, an open air festival, for example, is hit to say whether the storm is going to be severe or not. And in order to do this, um, what I've come up with is a system in order to, to gather the data at each individual measuring node, sent it to a base station, which is, which is connected to Wi-Fi network and then from the router of like say um, a household somewhere the data is sent to a centralized server and in the server i'm doing um, things like machine learning visualizing the data interpolating it and then providing uh, my customers yeah i'm also currently starting out uh, with uh, launching a business around this whole project um, with more accurate storm forecasts or storm warnings if you may say so yeah, that's that's like a general general outline of the project. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Thanks. Uh, that was a really good explanation. So, so what makes your project different then from the existing methods that exist? Like, is it um, is it the increased density of the measurement stations that that allows that? Is it uh, your machine learning methods? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that is correct. Uh, so, so. Um, 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 the things you mentioned are all aspects of the project that 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 make it unique in some way. 
Um, 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 but I'd say that the thing or the aspect of the project that really stands out the most is that I'm taking a very direct approach. Whereas you've got weather satellites, official weather stations, um, uh, uh, measuring parameters, um, I'm able to measure uh, the storm on a really, really fine scale. And if it's raining just above my sensor, I'm able to classify the storm that is exactly occurring at this location. Whereas with weather satellites, you must guess upon the wavelengths you are um, receiving, for example, how the storm looks like. And, and I'm just able to measure actually the size of each individual raindrop. And it's a very direct way of saying how severe a storm is going to be. And yeah, this, this is like something um, which isn't even an, an improvement on existing methods, but it's something that is entirely new. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's super interesting. Do you find that? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not an expert in meteorology. Does yeah. being able to get that, um, I guess, that fine measurements of your data, the size of the individual raindrop, mm-hmm. how much more insight does that give you on the movement of the storm as compared to just you know large scale images of the storm? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so uh, basically, one one station at a time allows me to classify the storm that is directly above it. But the problem, um, and, and, and you've already guessed it, I think, uh, is in a, uh, in a lot of situations that you actually want to know how the storm is going to develop in areas where you've got no station um, set up directly, like, say, uh, my neighbors um, or something like this. And, 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 and this now means that uh, you, you'd be able to do accurate and, and very direct storm measurements at a location and then if you have got a mesh network and this really is the key element of this project uh, when it comes to forecasting uh, for different locations it really becomes unique and usable in real world situations it's really the key element the mesh network i'm building up yeah could you um I guess tell us a bit about how this mesh network works. Like, how, how how does it enable you to use a network of sensors out in the field to collect data for a machine learning model? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the way it works is that f- first of all, just for generating uh, and visualizing an overview of the current situation, I'm using interpolation methods like uh, inverse distance interpolations, just plain calculations thrown onto the data I'm gathering from each individual station. And, and, and this already is giving me like, like a broad overview of, over what's happening. But at the very same time, it's only showing me the current state. And, and, and what you want to have is a forecast. So this is uh, the part where machine learning comes in. And the way it works is basically that I've got, um, uh, yeah, I've, I've developed or, or came up um, with a way to do, first of all, feature extraction, which means that um, you, you'd only look at, at several or, or, or some parameters of the data you're getting in and, and, and not the whole spectrum, because then it really becomes um, difficult to, uh, or for the uh, a machine learning or, or, or the deep um, uh, your, your learning network I'm applying here, to forecast uh, what is going to happen, um, um, because at the very moment I've I've gathered 
not really this much of data and it can really be, become difficult if you, you you've got like an overwhelming amount of data to do predictions so feature extraction really is a key element uh, in my research yeah so when you were working with this feature extraction uh, what kinds of like different things did you try before figuring out the optimal way of doing it since i know it's like a really sensitive topic like how you can extract the features in a reliable way in yeah, the that's, optimal that's way correct. so how did you determine the method of doing so reliably yeah um, um so first of all that's correct uh, it it really was a long path to get where where i'm standing right now and, and the very first um thing i've done is is just by hand try to calculate from the drop size distributions I, I, I get in into my server is to find out, um, find out things like the average um, amount of rain that came down in a certain period of time or the maximum drop size, for example, that I registered or also maybe things like the mode uh, um, of the distribution. And then um, I I, I, I took these values, put them into my uh, deep learning network um, and, and actually ran through all the data I've gathered to this point and, and had a look on the outcomes and then decide whether to use it uh, or to use the advancements I've made uh, or to throw them away. And, and the state-of-the-art uh, method I'm using right now um, in my project is an order encoder, which is basically doing exactly what I've I've been doing by hand uh, for me now in a, in a way that is autonomous and which learns also um, like uh, um, adaptive things. So for example, if the, the time uh, um, you're lo located at in a year changes and also the weather is changing, the autoencoder um, is able by time to change the way it, it does things like dimensionality reduction and which future features it supports or which it throws away yeah so so that's um a real interesting question yeah so i know that autoencoders when you uh when you use them for applications like this they they often require a large amount of data to kind of give you a representative sample of the entire spectrum of data that you're actually going to collect in the real world what what kind of scale was your data on when you were developing this project? Like, did, did you how long did you leave your sensors out there for? Yeah, that's um, that's a really interesting question. So right now I'm gathering data for about a year now. So um, 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 a year uh, in advance to to the current date, um, I, I first set up the uh, yeah the very first prototypes of my stations and gathered data. And a huge problem really was that the data I got in was constantly changing um, because I've changed the concept um, of which the data is, is packaged and sent to the server, for example. And this really, really makes it hard to, to really use um, the variety of data I've got. So in total, speaking of, of numbers, I've acquired um, like about 15 or 16 megabytes of data I've all saved in a MySQL database and only about one or two megabytes, um, I'd say, are actually usable. And that really makes it hard to uh, 
use an autoencoder, but but I'm um, just starting off with it right now, and 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 I'm really seeing the problem you mentioned. Uh, but I guess that in in future this will actually roll out and 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 it will begin to work, um, um, especially uh, like when when I've I've captured events where storms occur in um, non-usual scenarios, like for example hailstorms or storms that are um, occurring because of the terrain that is around you, and not just because the storm front is is like coming uh, like like uh like uh, like moving southward in, in the whole country of germany yeah so so it's a yeah, it's, it's a really interesting part of my research yeah so if you're leaving the sensor out there for a year i i suppose that's a um that's a significant challenge and i i suppose one that's um not only apply in this project but anytime when you have a mesh network of devices that are out in the field collecting any kind of data. How did you, I guess, network these devices together? Did you use a cell network, Bluetooth? Are, are, are they battery powered? I'm just trying to get a kind of intuitive model <laughs> oh, yeah. for what these look like. Oh yeah, they are, they, they are actually battery powered. And the way it works, they're, they're first of all sending that data to a base station that is, uh, um, for example, located uh, in, inside of someone's home. By by utilizing something called LoRa RAN, um, it's it's a frequency shifting mo modulated carrier being sent out by a um, um, a plane uh, a radio module, and it works in in the ISM band of 886 megahertz here in Germany, and and so far it's working great. It 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 has got a range of about 100 meters, and and it's really um, yeah, sophisticated way in, in in the industry to send data packets to like um, an intermediate base station, which is then going to send or, or relay the packets to a centralized server. Yeah, that's that's the way it works. Okay, Max. So so your application of autoencoders is super interesting. Is there anywhere else or any other models or applications in which you're using machine learning in this project? Um, that's correct. Yeah. So uh, um, um, just after the autoencoder, I'm, I'm utilizing a plain uh, deep neural network, uh, which is trained by, by, by plain backpropagation. And, and uh, I've done so via TensorFlow. And um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I really don't want to go into the specifics of activations functions and, and, and whatnot. But what, what I can say is that it is really important to um, have a sufficient uh, size of the neural network on the one hand, but on the other hand, really don't make it too large, especially if you you don't really have 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 like um, a huge number of features in your data sets um, um, you, you want to train your model on. So so this was um, like a key element in research I've done, finding the right number of hidden neurons. And also like the uh, layer width and more more specifically the depth of the neural network. Finding these parameters really, really was a hassle and and took some time, but now it's working quite well, I'd say. Okay, yeah, that's um, that's great. So I guess now, if you don't mind me asking about this, 
what um, you know, these are some awesome applications that you've used in your project. What implications do you see these new technologies like machine learning, autoencoders, et cetera, having on the, um, what implications do you see them having on the larger field of, I suppose, embedded systems like uh, networks of sensors? Do, do you think these are these methods are going to allow us to gain a lot more insight into large scale dynamics like this? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's a that's a really great question. So um, um, a thing or, or, or an aspect of my project that is really really interesting, and I and 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 I really didn't realize that for uh, like uh, like several months um, before is that uh, my my project actually can exist without any human bias, which is put into the data. And, and I mean, in a lot of machine learning situations, you are training your data set uh, or, or, or your model upon data, which is gathered in, in some situations where, where there's human feedback. And, and so this means that uh, under a lot of circumstances, uh, human bias can be created when training upon your data sets. And this can really lead to um, um, huge problems. I I'm guessing, and 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 in my project, what um, what I'm doing actually is I'm using data from the past in order to train my uh, current state of the network. So, for example, if a storm occurred in the past, um, I can use the outcomes of the storm um, uh, in in, um, in the current time in order to do training, and and that's mainly because. Um, in the current state, if I'm uh, looking at the current state I've captured with my mesh network, um, the thing I'm I'm seeing uh, is is just a really really tiny fraction of the whole picture, like like a really pixelated uh, um, a picture of the situation. But once the storm is progressing and uh, and 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 the and the image of the storm storm gets clearer and cre clearer. As more and more stations trigger, um, I'm actually able to create a more sophisticated image of the whole storm that is occurring, and can use that information later on when training the neural network on whether it was right or wrong in this certain situation, um, basically without any human bias. And and I think that's that's a pretty cool aspect. Of, of the things I'm doing here. That point about human bias, I think, was um, was actually particularly relevant and interesting. Um, and actually, I have a question that is uh, that is related to that. So, so your system, yeah. you are using a network of sensors that is, you know, out in the field. Um, but of course, I would imagine that it's difficult to cover extremely large land areas with these kinds of sensors. So. Do you think it would be possible in in your system or something like it to take advantage not only of the direct sensor input but perhaps of humans um, inputting observations of storms on their phone in an app or something like that? Because humans are, of course, a really large distributed network of people who have electronic devices on them. So, do you think there would be a way that um, that data could be taken advantage of for for a form? Or a storm forecasting system. <laughs> oh yeah, that, um, that's a really interesting question. 
I've also uh, thought about in the past, actually, because as I said, um, um, one of the fundamental goals of this whole project actually was to build a business um, around it at some point and and really bring it out to the people. And 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 and, and basically, I've I've uh, um, already thought about this concept of having an app where users can say whether the storm that occurred was severe or or like um, only was fine drizzle or something. Uh, but the problem when we we tried this concept out really was that uh, different groups of people responded in entirely different ways. So, for example, people living in the city always were were experiencing um, storms far, uh, yeah, um, yeah, more uh, lightly than than people living in, in in like areas where things like flash flooding can occur, um, which is kind of obvious. And 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 so once again, you've got human bias on the one side, but as you said really putting out or deploying a huge number of sensors in, in the whole country of Germany would, would just be impossible, uh, especially in the early days when launching a business, for example. So utilizing an app where uh, um, the system um, maybe could be trained actually in advance to putting out the stations would be a great investment. So so this really is a um, is quite a good uh, um, and an interesting idea you, you've had there, yeah. So where are you planning to take this in the future? I, I guess you're starting the company, which is pretty awesome. Um, what are your <laughs> What are your future plans? Yeah, thanks. So, so, uh, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm 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 currently really in the process of uh, starting a company and building up a team around this whole project because uh, I've started out on my own, and and right now it. It really became a hassle, especially just prior to ISAF, putting all all the stations out and maintaining them. Like right now, at the very um, second, from 15 stations, only two are operating as they should. Uh, all other 13 stations have like waterproofing issues. Uh, the batteries uh, are dead, or or like like the people that are interacting um, with them have shut down their or Wi-Fi networks, or have changed the password of it, or something like this. Um, and to overcome these issues, it's really important to build up a team. And uh, another team member, um, um, he's called Florian Jüngermann. Uh, he he's also specialized in computer science, and and is also quite interested in machine learning. And and with him, I'm I'm hoping to advance this project to a state where there are actually benefits. For the everyday customer, um, yeah, which uh, or who's in demand of a more advanced weather forecast or getting storm warnings or something like this, yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, I wish you best of luck with starting the company and getting this off the ground. I suppose. Do you uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, yeah, great, great. First of all, uh, thank you. Um, the second thing uh, might be that uh, in, 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 in these um, scenarios, um, uh, if you, the listeners uh, to this podcast, are also trying to start um, your very own company around like a 
uh, um, science project, it's it's really important not to get pushed that far down by um, um, things like paperwork you have you 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 gotta do in order to actually launch a company and and get started with doing machine learning in your business, for example. Um, so so what I've did is I've presented my project to the uh, mayor of Mayan. Um, I'm I'm living in it's my hometown. And he said, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to um, support you on this project. We're going to find locations for it. And um, we are doing like huge chunks of the administrative uh, yeah, parts of your project so that you can focus on the machine learning part of the, uh, and, and also the whole content of what your business will be about. So I, I really think um, yeah, for, for the starters, out there, um, it's it's great to have some people around you that can take off some of this workload you're having. That's great. Yeah, best of luck in the future with this. Thanks so much for coming on our show. This is uh, this has been you you have offered a lot of insight. So thank you. Yeah, thanks uh, yeah. for coming thanks, on. Friend. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Anish. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Bye.